You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello there and welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on Tuesday, November 2nd. So happy Tuesday. Happy November. A victorious Tuesday. The Philadelphia Eagles won a game week eight against the Detroit Lions. They finished with a blowout victory, 44 to six. And so now they're three and five. This was a much needed win. Hopefully you guys are able to breathe just a little bit, you know, and celebrate this victory. Enjoy it. You know, not only did the Eagles run the ball, like we've been chanting and demanding the entire season, we saw uh, running back Boston Scott. We also saw Jordan Howard, but we also saw that they minimized penalty. They only had, they were only penalized twice. And Jonathan Gannon stepped up to the plate and got creative when it came to like his defensive schemes. We saw them blitz a, a little bit. So that was exciting to see also. Today on this episode, we're going to recap what we saw from the Lions week eight performance and from the Eagles. Of course, touch on Jalen Hurts. We're going to touch on Jared Goff. And we're also going to touch a little bit on mesh points, launching points and cutting. And then we're going to preview week nine when the Eagles return home to host the Chargers this Sunday. That's November 7th. Don't forget to leave a review. Don't forget to rate, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter. I'm your host, Rachel Prevett, and I'm joined by the one and only the best in the game, QB expert, Mark Schofield. What's up, Mark? How are you? I'm doing well, Rachel. It's it's a fabulous Tuesday. We're recording this on Tuesday. It is NFL trade deadline day. So, I mean, if something breaks, we'll get to it. If something does, like Melvin Ingram, for example, just traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. So, yep. I mean, there are moves happening. We saw yesterday yesterday Vaughn Miller yep. going to the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams yep. are going all in. They used the Rounders clip of Teddy KGB from Rounders, <laughs> which was hilarious, Rachel, because have you seen Rounders? No, I have not. Well, what's funny about the clip that they used of Teddy KJB splashing the pot as he goes all in to play hand, he loses. Oh, he loses that hand eventually oh, to Matt okay. Damon in like a one-on-one -on -one showdown of poker. And everybody, of course, had to point that out to the Rams' poor social media person who thought, "Oh, this is oh, a great clip." Oh man! It's like, but they didn't get that. Guy, they didn't get that approved. You didn't watch the movie. You know? Oh man! Yeah. So you know, it's one of those moments. But so it's it, it's going to be a fun day. It's going to be a fun show. We've got good stuff to talk about. Yes. I'm going TV series, TV show. Nice for my my quote here, and it's to perhaps um, honor the return of Curb Your Enthusiasm to HBO, which is a favorite of mine because Larry David is so cringeworthy to watch at times. Sometimes it's one of those shows I have to like watch through my fingers because it's so awkward, but. One of his lines, pretty, pretty, pretty good. And that's how I think Eagles fans feel right now. I could sense it on Eagles Twitter Sunday into Monday that there was a much more joyous approach. Most people seem to be focused on whatever in the world Gardner Minshew is doing with his sleeves. 
the, the, the like arm umbrellas he's got there, but you feel pretty good after a win like that, right? I agree 100%. And when we were doing the instant reaction show, I was like, I think even though it wasn't oh so positive because most Eagles fans are still realists, right? Yeah. This was the most positive response and feedback that we have got. It wasn't a bunch of uh, fire, how we rose. You know what I'm saying? Like throw the team away. It was actually like, I guess, you know, like this is a step in the right direction. It was like, pretty medium so read in the room people are happy there's of course not like jumping for joy because it's like we don't know what's going to happen next week right but it was like we can be present hopefully and enjoy this moment so i chose a song lyric moment for life by Nicki minaj featuring drake and it says i wish i could have this moment for life because in this moment i, I just feel so alive and i was like after this victory I think that the Eagles don't no longer feel dead. Hopefully we don't feel dead anymore um, no. because we got a victory. That's something to cheer about. Get away. That's something to cheer about. And you look ahead, and I hate playing the look ahead game, right? Obviously, look, the, the Chargers, the, there's going to be some stuff to talk about there. The Broncos seem to be sellers, right? They just traded Vaughn Miller. Who knows what yeah. that wrong? Apparently, they're reportedly going to move Kyle Fuller, their defensive back as well, who's been sort of the odd man out in their secondary. The Saints, yeah, sure. The Saints look pretty good right now, but they're without Jameis Winston. You might have Trevor Simeon. So maybe their offense struggles. Then you get the Giants, the Jets, Washington, the Giants again, and Washington. And like, the Jets are, some- are a shocker. Yeah, Mike White. Just won. Like, that was crazy. I remember the Mike White battles on draft Twitter years ago when he was coming out of Western Kentucky. And he had some big-time supporters. Eric Galco, who now runs the Shrine game, which has now moved out to Los Angeles, he was a huge Mike White supporter. There were a lot of people that thought Mike White was a pretty talented quarterback. He did some nice things coming out of Western Kentucky. He just had, like, six knee injuries or something like that. But he looked good against the Bengals. But there are some winnable games coming up. So we might have more joyous Tuesdays. That's what I'm saying. We don't know what's going to happen week nine, but in the foreseeable future, we do have some games that I believe we are going to win. So Yeah. That's a nice feeling. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I wanted to start with a shout out to one of our loyal listeners who actually mentioned both of us on Twitter, um, Neil Dutton. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. That's right. That's good enough. Neil, he doesn't care. Okay. At in Dutton 13. Yep. And he said, I want both of your insights um, in launching points, mesh points, and cutting. So it's only right that we deliver, you know, this is what we're here for. So could you... Mark, could you explain to us uh, these three terms? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, what spurred this was you had two touchdowns from Boston Scott on the ground. You had two touchdowns from Jordan Howard. And I joked that this was going to be the running back factory reboot podcast going forward because, look, they're suddenly cranking out running backs. Um, So, Neil, um, who I've known for a long time, he's a loyal listener. He's been listening to this show, you know, since you and I got started. Um, Joke that we should talk about. Launching points, mesh points, cut it, and things like that, which are in some ways running back terms. So to deliver for Neil, we'll start with mesh point. Mesh point on, on so many of these RPO designs, right, where you see the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, take the snap and then extend the ball out and a running back comes forward like he's going to take a handoff. That's what we call the mesh point, the mesh mm-hmm. point where 
running back and quarterback come together in the backfield. Now, there are other mesh-related terms in the football world. There's the mesh concept, which is something you see teams run where those two shallow routes cross at maybe three yards downfield. And actually, the way coaches teach that is when they do it in practice and install it, they want the receivers to give each other a low five as they cross over the middle. That's how close you want those two receivers to run their sort of mesh over the middle. Um, that's sort of an air raid staple, Mike Leach, Hal Mum, um, you know, that goes back a couple of decades, but you see it in college, you're seeing it more in the NFL right now because you've got college quarterbacks that have run the mesh concept. And so that mesh concept, the two crossing routes, then you can sometimes call what's me- run what's called mesh sit, right? Because a lot of teams, when you're seeing mesh concept, you play zone against it. Because the way mesh is supposed to work, you want man coverage, you run it away from guys, so teams will play zone. So that's a little bit easier to cover those shallow crossers. You have a receiver run, run what's called that sit route, mm-hmm. which is like an eight-yard curl right over the middle. That's mesh sit. So there's some mesh-related terms. The launching point. Launching point typically refers to where the quarterback throws the football from the pocket. Okay. Now, generally, it's seven yards behind the center, right? Takes the shotgun snap or the under center, makes his drop. That's where the pocket's designed. That's where he throws from. But you can move the quarterback around, right? Designed rollouts, sprint outs, things like that. Get the quarterback outside the pocket, change the launch point. Because sometimes if a defense just knows, look, we can just line up, pin our ears back, and go after the pocket, you move the pocket by design, get him on the edge that can sort of disrupt the pass rush. What it also might want to do, why you also might want to do that is if you have a quarterback who's athletic, who likes to be outside the pocket, who sometimes tends to bail from clean pockets because he's more comfortable on the outside, you move him out. Does that sound gentle listeners? Does that sound ratio? Like anybody we know? Yes, it does. Jalen yeah, Hurts. Yeah. It sounds like Jalen Hurts. So, so that's launch point. And then in terms of cutting, there's two sort of cut in terms we can talk about. First is the cut block, right? You know, that's when you've got, you know, you usually see it out in space. You know, you cut down a defender out in space or on the edges where you block him low. What you're trying to do is really get him to, you're trying to chop him down, get him to the ground. You know, you see it a lot, you know, trying to get a cornerback cut down, even, you know, up front on a quick pass and play, you might use cut blocks to chop those guys down because at the bare minimum, say you're throwing a three-step drop quick game type thing, Mm -hmm. your biggest concern there isn't so much that you're going to get sacked. Like, if you get sacked on a three-step drop, something's drastically wrong because the ball should be coming out of your hands. Your bigger concern is they're going to get their arms up, right? Because once, as a defensive lineman, you see that three-step drop, you know you're not going to get home. You're taught to get your arms up. Mm -hmm. Well, what are you going to do when that lineman in front of you is diving at your ankles? When you face that as a defender, you're taught to get your hands into them, push them down to the ground so you can keep your ankles clean. Well, you can't go like this if you're doing this. Okay. And so that's cut block. There's also cutting in the sort of run game sense. And I think that's what Neil was getting to because mm-hmm. we saw three of the touchdowns that the Eagles had, right? They were the same exact play inside zone, mm-hmm. two tight end wing to one side, slot receivers to the other, inside zone, right? Outside zone, you see this more where the running back doesn't really have a designed hole. It's not like he's aiming between the tackle and the guard. He's okay. going to one side, and then he's making one of three what we call reads. His okay. bang read, his bend read, and his bounce read. So he's going to read the flow of the block, and he's going to read the defensive tackle, see where he goes. And if he gets a crease on the inside, say between the tackle and the guard, he's going to make his cut, which is what we call that bang read, which is just that's where you are aiming for 
if it's there, if a hole develops there, if that defensive tackle comes to the inside, if the end goes to the outside, that's your band read. You go right there. You just cut and go right there. Mm-hmm. If forever, for whatever reason, you can't go there, then you might do what's called the bounce cut, the bounce read, which is you string it to the outside. So say that defensive tackle sort of overcommits to his outside, but the defensive end gets washed to the inside and okay. you get the edge. Then you move to the outside and you bounce it to the outside. Then there's your third option, your third cut, which is what we call the bend, which is everything gets washed out front side, but you see your peripheral vision. So you're running it to the right, your left side of the screen, left side of your eyes. You see there's a crease backside. And so you cut back. That's your bend cut, your bend read or whatever. So that's a lot of super nerdy football stuff um, to to hopefully get Neil off our backs for a couple (laughs) of weeks. But but we do love Neil. Um, He comes to us from... He comes to us from across the pond. He's over Wait, in what? England. I yeah. did not know that. So I didn't know that. What? Shout out to the we listeners. Are, we are worldwide, Oh, Rachel. my goodness. So, yeah. I, that I, is I, such an – I feel honored. Yeah. Neil, Neil's great. Neil's awesome. You know, he does some fantasy football stuff. Um, he writes about tight ends a lot. Um, so follow Neil on Twitter. Yes. Um, but, yeah, he's a gentle listener from across the pond. Um, he, he's probably very excited about you know a soccer team that he roots for that's much better than the soccer team that I root for, and I'm just gonna leave it there. Oh man, okay, a little bit of rival reaction. All right, yeah. But no, that's really cool. That really just made my day. So shout yeah. out to Neil. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Did you want to? I know you sent me a, a clip when we were talking about mesh points, and I look back at the film and I found one. Did you want to yeah. explain like the one that you sent me, and then I? share the one that I found? Yeah. I mean, like the one that I sent you, I mean, you know, generally speaking, the way the sort of mesh point in these sort of RPO zone read, whatever you want to call them on plays work, generally speaking. Now there are obviously variations of it is at that mesh point, right? Where the quarterback sort of takes the snap, puts it in the belly of the running back, Mm -hmm. needs him there. He's making a decision. You know, he's making a read at that point because mm-hmm. what you're trying to do is leave that backside defender unblocked mm-hmm. and you block him with the mesh point in a sense because mm-hmm. you leave him unblocked. Like I think the one I sent you, they've, they've got sort of a, a, a motion and then a cross block where hopefully that tight end that's coming across doesn't have to block him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And so Jalen Hurts is going to take the snap. He's going to put the football in the belly of his running back and then read what that defender does. If that defender stays home and sort of doesn't crash down to the inside expecting a handoff, okay, Hurts is going to hand the ball off. And you've essentially blocked that guy by the, the mere fact that you might keep it and run. Because that's what's going to happen if that defensive end who's unblocked initially sees the potential handoff and just says, look, he's going to hand it off. I got to go make a tackle and mm-hmm. dives to the inside. That's what hurts. Keeps it okay. and goes right where he vacated. You, okay. you basically replace him. So that's sort of that mesh look. Now, what the on the clip that I sent you, which yes. for people that are wondering, first quarter, second, three, 759 mark, they also do what's called an arc block. And this is something the teams are also incorporated because if the quarterback ends up keeping it, you'd like him to have a lead blocker. And so Dallas mm-hmm. Goddard runs what we call a slice block across yeah. the formation, yeah. which you see on inside zone plays generally. If it's just a straight inside zone, you might see all the linemen flow to the left 
and then mm -hmm. the slice block backside to block that backside defender if you're not running it with sort of the zone read element. If it's just a straight handoff, that's how you take care of that guy. Mm -hmm. But since they have the zone read mesh point element, you're leaving that guy unblocked. But if for whatever reason Hertz decides to keep it and that guy's still a threat, mm -hmm. by Goddard coming across, he can block him. That's called that arc block where he can block him or say he crashes down. Now Goddard can then do the arc where he runs up to the second level and you've got a lead blocker in place for your quarterback. Okay. What else does that set up? Sets up a throw, right? Okay. Because eventually you're going to get the play where Hertz takes it, you know, fakes that sort of inside give to the running back. Tight end comes across, releases to the flat. Now Hertz pulls it, rolls out, and throws to that okay. tight end in the flat. So you're setting up that sort of, you know, RPO zone look with a throw to the flat to the tight end off that slice look. And then you set up ratio. Mm -hmm. You do all that. You've got your backside receiver on this play. I said to you, it's Quest Watkins. Yes. You know, he just kind of comes and blocks to the inside. You set up the play where you do all of this. You've showed him the inside zone. You've showed him the inside zone quarterback keep. You've showed him the inside zone quarterback keep, throw to the tight end in the flat. Then you hit it with inside zone quarterback keep, show mm -hmm. him the tight end in the flat, and go deep over the top to Watkins working backside. Okay. See, that's how you can sort of build in all these different variations off of the mesh point. I think it's so interesting. Last night, I was like watching videos on it and stuff. And one of the videos I came across was when you were just referencing, like when it comes to blocking, using that low key as like a, a another defender option. Yep. And it was talking about like the slow mesh. Yeah. That's the forest. Yes. Yes. That's the video I was watching. Yeah. And it's that, you know, go ahead, go ahead, because I got a lot to say about this. So it was just so interesting because they were the the person on the video was explaining how in that option it's not as quick as for example the option that you sent me with Jalen Hurst is like a quick you know fate yeah. to the running back but he I mean in that moment it's not like super super slow compared to the slow mesh where it's like he's low key like kind of going with him yeah. blocking for him and one of the um, examples in the video that I saw the quarterback was using his back as like a a defender yeah. uh, when it comes to blocking like the the opposing um team. Yeah. I That's Wake Forest and their sort of yeah. slow moving mesh, which you know it's really just Wake that's running it. There are high school teams that run it. Wake's running it. You, you're gonna start to see some more teams that incorporate it a bit, I think. And what they do there is like Rachel, you were just saying your typical mesh, right? Mm -hmm. Your typical mesh point, it's just snap, boom, quick decision, and you go. Yeah. What Wake does, and they've been doing it for a couple of years now, is snap, mesh, and the quarterback and, and running back walk together to the yes. line of scrimmage. Yeah. And then, you know, if you get in that example you just talked about, you get some sort of edge pressure where some guy scrapes clean. As a quarterback, you let go and you're basically blocking him with your back. Yeah. You basically can like box him out, box that defender out to keep your running back clean. Mm -hmm. It works really well in the run game. What I don't like about it. Okay. Because if you're doing that and it's an RPO where you have the opportunity to pull and throw, okay. you just you basically manufacture pressure at the feet in the face of the quarterback. Because think okay. about it this way, right? They're running the slow mesh, you're walking towards the line of scrimmage, then you decide mm -hmm. right behind the center, oh, I'm gonna pull and throw. Yeah. Now you've you've put yourself yeah, in the position trying to do that. Yeah. And so you know, when you're studying some quarterbacks and you're seeing him try to like pull and throw. You know, it's a it's a bit of a double edged sword because yeah, you know, maybe they're good at throwing when they've got you know pressure in their face and trash at their feet. Mm -hmm. But as somebody that's out here all with all the time saying, look, you've got to do what you can to help your quarterback. 
yeah, manufacture and pressure and like making a walk into danger and then pulling right. throw late. It's a bit risky in my mind, but the slow mesh is fascinating. I love that you would, you were looking yeah. at that. It's one of those things that eventually you'll start seeing it. Like it wouldn't surprise me if in a couple of weeks you see like Patrick Mahomes doing that, you know, with Tyree kill, like his mm -hmm. Andy Reid and Eric the enemy, they're, they're crazy mad scientists, but that slow mesh is something that's kind of interesting to think about. It is very interesting. So I yeah. just have to bring that up. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's very, I'm so excited you, you were looking into that. It was really cool. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. But I guess we can go ahead and jump into the performance that we saw, and then, because we're already 20 minutes in. But right, we spent 20 minutes talking about Dirty Football. This was so good conversation. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, so, yeah, we'll just go ahead and dive into what we saw from the Eagles week eight. Uh, Jalen Hurst didn't have like a super glamorous stat line at the end of the uh, game. He only completed nine of 14 passes for 103 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. He did finish as a uh, Philly's leading rusher with 71 yards on seven carries, but I think that it was okay because we got to see uh, the running backs included super heavily into the offense. So um, even though people have been like, you know, terrible like it wasn't a, a great performance by him I think it's still a win 
for the organization because we're seeing maybe like is this them on the brink of finding their identity like they don't always need to lean on Jalen Hurts to be the sole you know right. responsibility for executing the offense so I thought that this was a good thing to see Boston Scott Jordan Howard it's like where have you guys been like we, right. we should have definitely been u- utilizing you guys they definitely had very impressive performances Boston Scott finished with 12 carries for 71 yard two touchdowns Jordan Howard, 12 carries for 57 yards, two touchdowns. Kenny Gainwell got sprinkled in a little bit. He had 13 carries for 27 yards. So even though this was not a game, a great game for Hurts, I think that the running backs, like you said, running back factory, they made yep. up for it. And we can credit them for partially for this win. Absolutely. I mean, I think the, the offensive line did a good job. I think we saw perhaps a bit of an evolution of Nick Sirianni. Uh, in terms of play calling, which I think was very good to see. Like you said, you use that word identity. We've been, you and I, for weeks now, what is this offense's identity? Like, like what do they want to hand their hat on? Third and three at a critical moment in the second half, what are you going to be? I, I think you saw, you know, you saw some RPO stuff. You saw some zone stuff. You saw some under center stuff. Mm-hmm. saw a little bit of gap in power from under center. So it seems like, okay, I know it's the Detroit Lions, but, you know, you look at the game plan, the the script, the runs they had early, the runs they turned too late. You mm-hmm. know, we've talked about sort of that middle third of the game, right? Where it's like, okay, your scripted plays were fantastic. Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts has been great in those moments. The, the Fox crew pointed that out. Mm-hmm. And then when you're down by 20 in the second half, you're great at the end of the games. Give us a good middle third. I think you saw a much better sort of middle third in this game. Yeah. As far as Hurts, he had a throw – the, the like 16 yard gain to Quest Watkins early. Yes. That was like, okay, it, it's not exactly the backside dig, mm-hmm. but but one of the things that people, myself, Seth Galina, others have talked about is, you know, the side of a really good quarterback play is when you read a concept out to one side and you don't like it, you can still come back and hit that backside dig route. Mm-hmm. You know, watch Matthew Stafford. Stafford mm-hmm. is so great about it. I did a three throws video on Stafford, his game against the Texans, and I featured that backside dig where He's reading a three-receiver concept to the right, doesn't like it, comes back, hits the backside dig on time for a big game. Mm-hmm. If you could do that, you're playing quarterback at a high level. The right. throw to Watkins, it's not a pure dig route. It's more of a backside crossing route, but he's reading the flat seven smash to the right He's because he's got the tight end in the flat. He's got Devonta Smith on the deep corner route. He looks to the flat, doesn't like it, looks to the corner route, doesn't like it, comes back, throws the backside crosser, his third read. That's pretty close to that backside dig that I was just talking about. And I know it's the Detroit Lions. I know yeah. it's a descriptive plays. I know it's early in the game. It wasn't like he was doing it on a critical fourth quarter drive. Mm-hmm. But still, that's the kind of stuff you want to see. Those little moments where it's like, okay, he's figured stuff out. This is a nice mm-hmm. read, nice throw from the pocket. He didn't bail. He didn't run around like to try to make something happen. Just what you want to see from your quarterback. So I know there weren't a ton of moments to choose, but mm-hmm. I did like to see that from him. Yes. And when it comes to the play calling, like you were talking about, they could have went into this game just like they've done every single other game. Yeah. So it's still a win that we saw them. It took eight weeks, but they finally, it clicked maybe. Let's try something new. So right. being able to get creative on both sides of the ball, I yeah. thought that was a win in itself. So even though it was the Lions, we know it's the winless Lions. Okay, great. But they could have prepared a lot different. They could have, you know, stayed stagnant. But I think that this was a step forward because yeah. we saw change. 
Yeah, we saw a change, and, and, and we saw a change on both sides of the ball. Like you, you mentioned earlier, it's exactly right. They did some different things. It wasn't as static defensively as we've seen in weeks past. They brought some different blitzes. They did some different things in the secondary. We obviously look. Jared Goff is not a good quarterback, like yeah. you know, but they did. It's clear that the organization, from top down, in the coaching staff, both sides of the football, realized. Look, we've we've got to do things a little bit differently. We've got to go through some scout, self scouting here. See what we do well. See where we can where we can improve. See what changes we can make. And it was good to see. Now you want to see more of that. You want to see that continue. I've seen a lot of jokes on Eagles Twitter that was like, you know, Andy Reid would have these games where we'd be yelling for him to run the ball. He'd run the ball fifty times, and the next week he'd throw it fifty times. And it's like you didn't learn anything. You yeah. know, people said the same thing about Doug Peterson. So I know there's a fear among Eagles fans that mm-hmm. this Sunday against. Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers, they're going to come out and throw it 35 times in the first half. Hopefully they don't. Like, hopefully they don't. And there's a big reason why you don't want to. That's a bad run defense. That's a very bad run defense. Like, you know, probably one of the worst. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, I I, I don't know if the number, how much the numbers change this week, but going into it, I think they were in terms of yards per carry, either the worst or the second worst of like 5.4 yards Mm -hmm. per carry. The reason for that, Brandon Staley, all the two high defensive looks they show you pre-snap, right? You play two high safeties because you want to dare teams to run the football. You know, mm-hmm. you want to keep that safety high, play a light box, dare them to run because passing is more efficient, passing is more effective. It's, so mm-hmm. if you're a defense, anytime the quarterback hands the football off, it's a win for you. Well, it's easy to still stop the run if you have Aaron Donald, right? Mm-hmm. Brandon Staley doesn't have Aaron Donald anymore. No. You know, he's cross town now and the Chargers are still a good team, yeah. <laughs> but you don't have that dude. Okay. Yeah. And you don't have Leonard Floyd mm-hmm. and yeah, the Rams mm-hmm. now they get, you know, Von Miller to play with. So good luck rest of the NFC. Right. Um, so it's a lot tougher to stop the run with those two high looks if, if you don't have Aaron Donald. And so that's mm-hmm. what he's figuring out as a first time head coach. And so to Nick Sirianni, you have to hope that you see those numbers. You see teams have success running the football against the Chargers and you go into this game. Mm-hmm. With the same sort of script and playbook uh, game plan you had against the Detroit Lions. I mean, I, I'm excited for this game because I feel like we are coming off of this like high momentum. Yeah. But like I said, we want to see it continue to elevate. We don't want them to backtrack. And right. knowing, like you just mentioned, this team run defense. Okay, take advantage. Like we want more. We want more. So I'm excited to see. A little nervous, but hoping that they build on that performance because they saw that it worked so well and all of the positive feedback and response that they got from it. Hopefully, they take it and run with it. You know. Yeah, yeah. I hope so too. I hope so too. I mean, yeah. are you worried in a sense that there will be a letdown from this? Um. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to get too cute and then it wasn't like they veered completely off, you know, like this worked well. Right. You know, like this performance, I think, was a low key, complete performance from the Eagles. So I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon, the rest of the coaching staff, like took it and ran with it. And then it was like, all right, just stick to what went well. So that's like a fear. Because we saw that in the beginning of the season when they were making uh, certain decisions and then they just switched it up. And it was like, why switch if it's not broken? Like, don't, right. you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, also, knowing that Justin Herbert, the type of passer he is, that is a concern for us because, I mean, he's not, Jalen Hurts and him are two different types of quarterbacks, but yeah. we know what he's capable of. 
um, and where he falls in the league when it comes to like QB ranks. So. Right. Although Herbert struggled the past couple of weeks, like mm-hmm. he struggled in their game against Baltimore before the bye. He, he struggled this week against the Patriots. And what was interested about Herbert after the game, he said, look, they, they expected a lot more man coverage. They expected a lot more single high cover one coverage, but mm-hmm. they got what they didn't expect, which was cover two, you know, those two high yeah. safety looks. And I, I didn't think New England was going to do that. You, know, you look at Herbert's numbers at Sports Info Solutions. He's been much better this year against those cover two, cover four, two high looks okay. than against single high, which might make sense, right? When you're in preseason, you're going up mm-hmm. against your own defense in training camp. That's what you're seeing. So, yeah. so, but New England went in a little bit of a different direction. They played a little bit more of the cover two, cover four stuff. Yeah, but the two interceptions they had, they were those single high plays, and okay. and Herbert missed some throws. He missed some reads. Um, New England did a very good job, and this is another lesson for Gannon. And this dates back to what New England did against them last year: stunts and twists up front. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know the Chargers; they got some new faces on the offensive line. Rashawn Slater, their left tackle, the rookie, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. They added Feeler, the guard from the Steelers, veteran player. But still, they were able to get some pressure with some stunts, some twists, some creative stuff up front. And so that's an opportunity for Jonathan Gannon to to get after Herbert a bit. He's certainly athletic, certainly has a great arm. But the past couple of weeks, he hasn't played well. Mm -hmm. But you have to – I'm sure that they have a chip on their shoulder coming into this game. Oh, absolutely. Coming off of this loss. And they're going up against the Eagles. So they're probably definitely coming with all the heat because – they don't want to lose to the Eagles. So no. it's going to be interesting to see how like they're preparing and how they execute. Um, yeah. I mean, they're coming off. Look, four, four, three weeks ago, they were one of the best teams in the league, right? Like, yeah. This is like, look, the Chargers are legitimate. You know, then yeah. they lose to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. They have their bye. They come mm-hmm. out of their bye and lose to the Patriots. They've dropped two in a row over three weeks. Yeah. And now, look, you see what, you know, the Raiders, maybe they're for real in the AFC West. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Chiefs, like, look, that offense has been very shaky at times. That defense has been bad. But how long are we going to count Patrick Mahomes and company up? They just added Melvin Ingram. I know he's not, you know, a Bosa brother or something like that. But, you know, he can certainly help their pass rush. So they got to start winning some games. So, yeah, there'll be a a chip there. And, yes, I say Bosa brother. You have a Bosa brother to deal with this week. You know, mm-hmm. they, they got Joey Bosa who can get after the quarterback. He's mm-hmm. somebody that you're going to have to dedicate some help to. You're going to have to chip him at times with the tight ends and the running backs. You know, you might show some zone read stuff to his side to try to get him moving, try to get him mm-hmm. thinking. Um, but that's certainly somebody to worry about coming off the edge of their defense. Uh, Derwin James. Very I talented read, player. Read that uh, he let the defense, I get, this was against the Patriots, with – 12 total tackles, a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble. This was against the Patriots alone. So, yeah. Derwin James, extremely talented player, can play in a number of different roles in that secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, Nasir Adderley is another good defender that they've got in the back end. Gilman is the other safety. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Hurts has an opportunity to move him a bit with his eyes. Okay. Um, you okay. know, watching Mac Jones against him. Um, there were moments where Jones did a pretty good job of looking at one receiver, getting him to, you know, bite, take a step, move one way, and then throw away from that. I'll be curious if, you know, some of the concepts that the Patriots use where you've got the two post routes or the two in-breaking routes, Jones was able to find some success moving that safety with his eyes. I'm curious to see if Sirianni sort of steals from that. Obviously, look, the Patriots, they're one of the rare teams that uses a fullback. You know, you saw a lot of 21 personnel with a fullback. That's really not the Eagles, but you might see some run game, play action stuff, 
Um, they did a Patriots did a really good job of getting some crossers to develop the tight end off of play action look. So you might see Sirianni and company use, you know, the under center stuff we saw last week, right? Now you build in, it's sort of mm -hmm. that play construction, putting layers on top of layers. You build in some play action stuff off of that, mm -hmm. you know, get them thinking, get those, because the linebackers are talented, but, you know, Kenneth Murray, he's a little bit young. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes he can sort of get caught, you know, trying to cheat a little bit. So you can get him out of position. So there's an opportunity to make some plays against this team. There's an opportunity to make some plays against this team on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. Herbert struggled in recent weeks. Am I going to guarantee an Eagles win? No. Yeah. But I think the Eagles can win this game. Yeah. I did have one more question. When it comes to, like, often, the Eagles offense, the, this past game against the Lions, we didn't really see a lot from Devontae Smith. Yeah. So, like, what are your thoughts on that? Knowing the talented, you know, wide receiver that he is and him not really getting as many targets, uh, do you think that they're going to switch things up and try mm -hmm. to – implement him a little bit more moving in towards like as we're prepping for week nine. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you obviously want to see if there are ways you can get him involved. There are still opportunities. There were opportunities on Sunday against the lions where you could have thrown to him downfield. Mm -hmm. Like the play we just talked about the, the Quez Watkins backside. If he wanted to Hertz could have tried to throw that over the top of the defender because Smith had sort of a step on his corner route. He could have tried to force that in. And in many ways, the fact that he didn't is also a good sign of, of development from Hertz, right? Because we've often seen him try to force throws into receivers, force throws into Devonta Smith. He didn't. And I think that was a good thing. You know, Smith is going to be fine. Smith is going to be fine. I, I was on another Eagles podcast on Monday night and they were like, did, did we make the wrong mistake? Did we make a bad decision yeah. drafted him? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 he, he's going to be fine. Like he's still yeah. getting open. He's still getting separation. You know, there, there are ways to get him involved. I'm not going to hit the panic button. I know there's a lot of angst about the receivers right now. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe some guys haven't quite panned out the way you'd hope, but I'm not ready to like push mm -hmm. the panic button on Smith just yet. It wouldn't okay. surprise me if there are ways to sort of get him involved this week. If they, if you see some more throws to him, I'm not ready to panic on him yet. Good. Okay. Okay. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we are measured and reserved here at yeah. the QB factory, right? Like <laughs> we are very Zen. There was yes. panic a couple of weeks ago about benching hurts. We're not going to go there yet. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. if things are bad after Thanksgiving and you want to take a look and evaluate mm -hmm. some people, fine. Oh, yeah. going to do that. You yes. know, same thing with Devonta Smith. We're, we're not mm -hmm. going to suddenly trade him. We're not going to wake up tomorrow yeah. morning and he's a Green Bay Packer or something like right. that. Let's all calm down, people. Yeah. The NFL season is a marathon. It is right. not a sprint. I like that. I know we all live by like 280 characters, yeah, but exactly. we can all calm down, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 as a, as a, as a Boston Red Sox fan, mm -hmm. baseball, 160 two-game season, right? Yeah. But Boston Red Sox fans don't have a 162-game season. They have 162 one-game seasons where every game is a season of itself and you just mm. overreact wildly to it. You sometimes see that in football. It's a 17-game yeah. season now, right? Mm -hmm. It's one long 17-game season. It's not 17 one-game seasons. It's not all kind of panic. Yeah. Yeah, that's or, a great or at least way to try play. not to. I mean, it's yeah. easy to panic when you get people like me panicking all the time. I mean, it's easy when you're reading the room, you know, people right. worries start to fall, you know, they fall on you because you're like, oh, oh I didn't think about that, you know? So yeah. I mean, that's, 
it's one of the hard things about doing this, right? Like yeah. it's hard to stay measured. And yeah. in many ways, look, when you stay measured, you know, it's the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Like, yeah. you know, the, the, the articles and the pods that get the clicks are the ones where it's like fire everybody, They're right? you know, trade yeah. everybody. This team is a disaster, yeah. you know, because the hate clicks and the hate listens, they all count the same. No, um, I was but, I was literally gonna say like you feel like you're the bad guy if you're trying to stay calm, if you're yeah. trying to stay optimistic, you're like, what's wrong with me? Because right. everybody else is like, throw it away, like fire this person, you know. Yeah. So it's it's trying to find like that balance. Yeah, but that but that's the that's the struggle of, of going through in a season like this. Yeah. You know, it is staying balanced. Um, yeah. but that's what we do here at yeah, the QB Factory, but we try to stay measured, even keeled. And balanced. Yes. If yes. Rachel and I are panicking, friends, we got problems. Because if yes. Rachel and I are panicking, yes. then it's like disaster. We're 0 and 8, and everybody needs to be fired. And Jalen Hurts just threw 17 interceptions in a game. Yeah. If that I happens, agree. we'll panic. I agree. But that is going to be all for this episode. This was a really good episode. I yeah. fun. I loved it. So now the Eagles return home to face the Chargers. Sunday, November 7th. This game is at 4.05 p.m. And immediately after the game, we will have the BGN Instant Reaction Show. So make sure you guys tune in there. Leave us, you know, comments, questions. Drop your three-word reactions to the game. We appreciate all of that. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. And on Instagram at Bleeding Green Insta. Um, leave a review. That would be greatly appreciated. And we will be back next week with hopefully some positive, you know, something positive to take note of. Um, but yeah, any last words, Mark? Stay measured, stay calm, don't panic, go Eagles. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.